Welcome back to another episode of Chaos and Conversation. Uh, it's your boy, ML, Michael Lofton, and with co-host, Mr. Sean Coleman. It's a big week, brother. What's going on? How you feeling? Hey, man, doing doing good. It's uh, it's nice to have a bit of, of, of certainty when it comes to football season. The balls are certainly getting off to a good start, better than we expected. Hopefully, we're going to be able to have the best start we've had in quite a while after this weekend. And, hey, the Titans, well, let's talk about the balls. Well, some of the balls. This is the college football uh, <laughs> section of this episode, as you all know. And we told you guys a week ago that we were looking, we were looking forward a little bit. It's not like we weren't worried about the games that we had prior to, even though South Florida gave uh, Florida all they could handle on the Saturday night and almost ruined the uh, build up. And CBS wasn't probably going to get what they were looking for exactly because coming off a of Florida team that had beaten Utah, and then they couldn't lose uh, two straight games. So we avoided that, thankfully. Uh, with Florida, unfortunately, they are 0-1 in the Southeastern Conference play. But all of that matters. And it usually is this game. I'm kind of surprised that it's not. But we are starting it off in the Tennessee Vols. Biggest, biggest home game. And like we said, we're talking 16 years, Sean, would you say? I wouldn't say it would be 16 years. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go six. And the only reason I say that is because I had mentioned after, um, let's see here. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, because I was at the last time that we beat Florida. It was six years ago, Checker Nealon 2016. You know, similar setup to this season in which, uh, you know, Tennessee – um, was coming in. They, they, I don't believe that they were favored in the game, and they were down twenty-one to three, and then came back. You know, with a, a huge late third, early fourth quarter. Juwan Jennings getting the big um, bomb to win the game, or not win the game, but take the lead. My whole point is, is that that season we got as high as number eight in the nation, and so this is the, the biggest game we've had in quite a while. So hasn't been necessarily sixteen years, but it's been quite a while. To your point, so. Yeah, what's what's the excitement level right now, though? Would you say uh, it, and excitement level, and then give me confidence level? Well, so I, it's not for me where it is with others. I don't think, and the reason why I say that is because I just I, I guess it's because I'm just getting old. I've just mm-hmm. I've been here far too many times before. Um, and especially at this time of the year, um, uh, Trey Wallace of Outkick, uh, the coverage.com, he, uh, he had mentioned on oh, Twitter, yeah. you know, there's just some type of voodoo. There's some type of, you know, weird stuff that just happens in this game, just inexplicable stuff that always comes back and haunts Tennessee, whether it's, you know, late game breakdowns that leads to Florida winning on the, you know, final few seconds or, you know, Tennessee just, you know, absolutely at, at despite having great starts just at some point uh, falling off and not being able to keep up with Florida, whatever have you. My point is, is that I'm excited. And if we win on Saturday, I'm going to be ecstatic. But again, I've been here far too many times before and it's hardly ever worked out. So I am hopeful. I am excited. I know that Knoxville is excited. Game day is going to be there. The Tennessee fan base rightfully should be excited and ecstatic. But for me, I'm going to be a bit more reserved. But, hey, man, if we beat Florida on Saturday, whoa, it's going to be a fun time in the Coleman household. Oh, no doubt, brother. It is definitely on. Give us a scene of what does game day look like in your household and what does it look like from a, for a Florida game and knowing that you're a pretty good team this year? 
Well, I mean, there's not really much going on. I mean, you know, me, me and my wife, you know, we're, we're not, we're not parents as of yet. And the whole thing is, is that, you know, her, her family, especially her, her father, uh, he's a big Alabama fan. So she just chooses to be Alabama just to give me hell. But don't you're kidding me. My, my I had no idea. My wife is the most wonderful woman in the world. I will argue that any day of the week. But my point is, is that she typically will kind of just let me do my own thing. I'll be honest. There are times where if I get really nervous, I'm going to step away from the TV and just kind of, you know, even when the game's going on, I'll step away. <laughs> right. Be like, just pace. But the best thing about the household, Michael, is that I've got a catwalk. Uh, that that's that's basically my second level. Like if you go up my stairs in my house, it's a catwalk that 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 you can see from the yeah. living room that connects my the different bedrooms upstairs. That is my pace pacing. I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm someone who's got to move all the time, so I'm typically pacing watching the TV in the living room if I am watching a game. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's that's what gets me through it. So so that the carpet on that catwalk definitely needs to be re- replaced, and it probably will be replaced <laughs> three times over after Saturday. So okay, okay, I like it. I like it. What biggest biggest things that we Tennessee needs in order to get a win? Uh, um, Saturday, three thirty kickoff. Yeah. Three things uh, that stand out to me. Number one, we, we got to avoid mistakes. Um, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, if our offense can play like they are capable of, I, I think that we're going to be able to win this game. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. there's a decent mm-hmm. chance that we can win this game convincingly. Uh, but we've got to be able to avoid mistakes. That's what hurt us against Pittsburgh. Uh, it was just it was just dumb mistakes, you know, in the special mm-hmm. teams and you know just just mental errors. We've yeah. got to play a good, clean game because that's one thing that has hurt us against Florida. Early on, it's missing a pass or not being able to make a, a yeah. good key tackle or what have you. We've got to play fundamental football, and if we do, I think our talent will win out. The second thing is is that we've got to apply. We've got to either apply pressure on mm-hmm. Anthony Anthony Richardson or keep him in the pocket. We've got to make Florida try to keep up with us by him passing the ball because if he gets out and runs. Then Florida controls the clock, takes away from yeah. our offense. We don't have the ability to get that early lead. We've got to be able to contain Anthony Richardson and make him, you know, attempt to beat us with his arm. But the other big key to me is this: Tennessee has got to get off to a huge start. That to. to me is what stands out. To. We we've done it. We've done it well in the past. We we've actually gotten off to decent starts in these games against Florida. Mm-hmm. We haven't been able to finish, but with this team, our mm-hmm. offense is consistent enough, and I am praying like crazy Cedric Tillman will be able to play, but Tennessee's got to get off to a good offensive start. We need mm-hmm. to score multiple touchdowns in the first quarter, and we can, especially I think his name is Ventral Johnson, uh, Ventral Miller, maybe, I'm not sure. Florida's going to potentially be missing a key linebacker. We have got to be able to score multiple touchdowns in the first quarter, and if we can, if we get up early and we're playing convincing football, I'll be convinced early that we can get the job done. Giving me the prediction. You guys are favored by 11 at home, by the way. And just to always bring you a couple stats for you. Just want to make sure you know when, uh, tomorrow, uh, when folks are listening to this episode, hopefully uh, you will be able to see is that we are, that I'm actually predicting that Tennessee is going to win, but Florida covers. And it's only because of the, aspect of Florida likes to run the ball 
Um, that is the way for them. They're going to be trying to kill clock as much as possible. Hendon Hooker is going to be the best player on the field. I There's a difference between superior talent, what Richardson may have, uh, in terms of projection, but in terms of the best player, the most productive player on the field right now is absolutely going to be Hendon Hooker uh, and the big play uh, big play opportunities that they have, especially at uh, running back and receiver. They just, they're just – Tennessee's more balanced. So I have you all winning. Uh, I still think it's a comfortable – even if I'm saying it's – it's a comfortable uh, seven points, right? It won't. It'll feel like Tennessee is controlling the game. Not quite eleven, but that's what I have it at. I have you guys uh, winning 30, uh, 31 to twenty-three. Excuse me, eight points. Thirty-one yeah. twenty-three. I'm going to go. I, I'm going to go thirty-four twenty-four. That's that's what I'll go with. And and the other thing that you bring up, which is a good point, I talk about us getting off to an early start. What killed us against Pittsburgh was allowing the big plays early. We've got to make sure that we're not allowing those big gashing running plays to give Florida confidence. So that that's something else that we'll we'll have to avoid. But you know, yeah, I I think that you know I'm, I'm confident Tennessee will get the job done. But again, like I say, there's just been so many damn times I felt that way. I'm not going to sit here and be overconfident. So. All right, I think on next week when you'll be smiling, I will be. Let's hope so. It, and you know what? It'll make the in my opinion, it's going to make the SEC East race even better. Uh, it's going to because then it comes down to your three biggest. Traditionally, for people, once again, yes, you're younger than me, but I am an understanding. I am a historian, and your three biggest rivals, when it comes down to it, of like games you just do not lose. It just happened to change when the when Spurrier came, but the third that third Saturday in October is incredibly special. I know what that means for Tennessee and Alabama. They will. Folks will say that Alabama as a is a bigger rival than Florida. A less recent one, obviously, com- because of where Saban took the program and where Spurrier had taken Florida. And then there was just that hate between Spurrier and Fulmer. But Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky are the biggest rivals for Tennessee. And if you get past Florida, who knows? You have those three left, and two and two gets you to a, a New Year's Six Bowl between exactly. all four of those. In my opinion, and that's what that's what's on stake. But it starts on Saturday. Got to get it done Saturday. Got to get it done. And it does. And I want to make something very clear here. Listen, the SEC race is a one horse race. Georgia is the best team by a significant margin, but significant. Yes, yes. But over team, Alabama. But but no no no. In the SEC East. The SEC East. Okay, very good. I was about to actually but, we'll still clip it regardless. But, but just in case. Any Kentucky fans that that are listening here, if Tennessee beats Florida. I want to make sure that Florida and Kentucky fans are listening to this. Mm-hmm. If Tennessee beats Florida, Tennessee is the second best team in the SEC East. It's not Kentucky because your coach is two and seven against Tennessee. Tennessee is the second most talented roster in the SEC East, and it's not debatable. It's clear. So if you're listening to this as a Wildcats fan, if you're listening to this as a Gators fan, when it comes to determining who the second best team is in the SEC East, it's Tennessee, and I do feel they'll prove it on Saturday. I agree. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's just facts as you're giving it, and phenomenal. Nothing wrong with that for sure. Uh, let's uh, take it over. Let's stay actually in the SEC, but we'll go from the SEC East and go to SEC West. Uh, let's put up a shut-up time, and either we're going to know a lot more about where Coach Sam Pittman is taking uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks or – Jimbo Fisher is going to be able to take his team back 
and try to get things rolling again of uh, where we where folks have actually uh, my own one of my own favorites, Desmond Howard, picked him to win the national championship. I had no idea why he did that. However, everybody understood. H- Howard also A&M. had Pittsburgh in his uh, final four. I'm pretty positive. So so take that for yeah. Rip the paper up, yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. Um, and so A and M, they've had the awesome recruiting class. Oil is a phenomenal thing; uh, it makes a lot of people rich. And we're going to see all those people in Jerry's world, right? I, it'll be a hundred thousand strong. It's a big, big game for Sam Pittman um, in the Texas A and M Aggies uh, and Jimbo Fisher, and where we're going to go there. Uh, Sean, what do you think happens here, and whose season takes? That's what it is here. I hate to say it. Once again, it's a put-up-or-shut-up game. I'm not saying one team season is over after this game, but the other team season propels and gets right back on the right track, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, and it's quarterback play. K.J. Jefferson is the difference maker in this game, and I think that that is what stands out. Jefferson, I don't necessarily know if he has a future in the NFL. I think that he is a very steady, solid quarterback. As much as we give credit for Sam Pittman of turning Arkansas around and making them a staple once again in the top 25 in the nation, I think K.J. Jefferson deserves credit as well. But it's his consistency. He's a quarterback that can consistently allow for his offense to score in the 30s. Texas A&M doesn't have that with Max Johnson and is it Haynes King, I believe, is their other uh, quarterback. I may get his name wrong. But that's what stands out to me is that for me, even with Texas A&M beating Miami last Saturday, they've not put together any type of convincing offensive performance. Arkansas has. And Arkansas struggled last game, down 17 to nothing. Oh, yeah. Missouri State. But they came back convincingly. So I think in this game, I think in this environment, the experience of K.J. Jefferson is what stands out. I also think that Arkansas has a lot higher floor. Uh, they're, they're much more even-keeled when it comes to their play than we've seen from Texas A&M. Uh, so I think Arkansas, what's the uh, what's the line in the game? The line is A&M minus two. Oh yeah, yeah. Right Arkansas, now, I think Arkansas wins. Uh, I could, I could oh. even say Arkansas wins by a touchdown. Uh, I, I think that I think that Arkansas is going to be able to get. The wow. Game. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm on the opposite side, and well, I'll I'll tell you why. Go let ahead. Me read some. Let me, I'll give you some stats real quick. Okay. KJ Jefferson against Cincinnati and South Carolina had QBR ratings 84.5 and 79.2 respectively. Okay. okay? Against Missouri State, 32.9. 32.9. Oh, my goodness. That is – and I like him. Uh, and he has shown – and once again, shout out to our boy Traylon Burks. He was a different quarterback with him. And they have some pretty good weapons thus far right now. But there is no reason for them to ever go into a fourth quarter losing to a Missouri State team. And I'll give you another stat. They are 0-27 the last 27 games outside of Missouri State when losing in the third, but losing going into the fourth quarter. Very good chance. You know, in, in this rivalry game, if they're losing going into the fourth quarter, they're in trouble. Um, but because A&M can run the ball, they can kill the clock, and they have a damn pretty damn good defense. I have it as 24-21. I thought 27-21 Aggies, but I feel like – the Aggies are in a desperate spot comparatively to Arkansas. Give me, give me, give me 31 20 Arkansas. Oh, comfortably. 
how we are on the okay, we're different opposite opposite sides there, we're sure. Um let's say this. A and M. They lose this game. All right, as you're predicting. This is uh what's on the what's on the docket for them going into uh the rest of the season here. And I wonder if this I'm not saying Jimbo's on the hot seat by any stretch of the means. That's not what I, it's not what I'm saying. I just want to have this for discussion purposes. You never know what things want to come out. They have a this is why I think that this is a must win for them. Arkansas neutral site game, Jerry's world will be 50-50. They got at Mississippi State, at Alabama, at South Carolina all in a row before Lane Kiffin and then Anthony Richardson coming to town back to back. And that is also what they do have is a bye right after the Mississippi State Alabama game. Things kind of get easier for them. Auburn is not Auburn's not good. Auburn's not a good football team. But then they go Auburn, and then the typical weekend before this is what I don't know what this why you guys do this SEC. You guys have like a little primer game. The always the game before the last game, you guys play nobody. So they play UMass, and then they got LSU. It things get tricky here if they if they lose this game. It, it is not out of the realm that they could lose three straight games after yeah. this. Oh, Texas A&M is a eight and four, seven and five team. Absolutely. And, oh, and, 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 and the reason hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And All the right. reason why that is is because of a lack of, of quarterback play, and they don't really have. Don't get me wrong; they've got talent, but there's not. You know, I said it. I believe at the start of the season, at some point, I believe it was about Texas A&M. Who are the difference makers? You know, we, we, we mm. don't know. I'm not going to act like that I know, you know, a lot about, you know, Texas A&M like I do other SEC schools. But yeah, yeah. one of the reasons why I don't is because they just don't have a lot of difference makers. And I think that mm-hmm. that's where it stands out. I think that that's what's going to stand out in this game. And the other thing that we're talking about, I don't think that Jimbo Fisher is in any way, shape, or form in the hot seat. I think that they're going to allow for him to be able to see through this season and certainly see what he can do with his recruiting class. But, you know, they showed the stats the other day. I think that Jimbo was one game better than Kevin Sumlin in the first 50 games that he's been at Texas A&M. Wow. So, so, wow. So, so my point is, is that I just, I think Jimbo Fisher is a very good coach and recruiter, but I've never been convinced that Texas A&M was a top 10 team in the nation. Just like I'm not convinced Kentucky is, I'm not going to sit here and claim Tennessee is that they beat Florida this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, but that's my point. I just, I'm not convinced that Texas A&M is going to be more than a seven and five or eight and four team, just because I don't know who their difference makers are. We'll know eventually. Sure. But then at that point, what level of difference makers are they? If it takes us this long to figure it out, that tells you the story. They're not difference makers to the level that should make Texas A&M be a team that's really battling for a top 10 spot in the nation at the end of the year. I think you're right. I think you're right. Man, you may have convinced me. I may change my pick now. I may change my pick now. If they give a convincing victory on Saturday, that's a different story. But, you know, we'll see. They're capable of it. I I believe that the consistency of Arkansas is going to win out. I'm rubbing my head and struggling because, God dang it, when you talk and you give it – uh, I, I listen very well, and I'm like, man, oh, man, I've been so close on my bets here. Go, go um, with your gut. Go with your gut. And I'm like, man, all right, let me relax here. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> That's the meme with the fire. God let, bless. Let me, ask you this question. let me ask you this question. So yeah. after this weekend, okay, we'll say that the two 
higher ranked teams win. Okay. Yes, sir. How prepared is college football nation? How prepared are they to recognize that the five best teams in the SEC mm-hmm. after this weekend, Georgia, Alabama, in order, I agree. Arkansas, rankings wise, Tennessee. I think Tennessee's more talented than Arkansas, though I can certainly understand people picking Tennessee, Arkansas over Tennessee. And then Kentucky. I agree. Now, Kentucky may be higher ranked than Tennessee, but I think out of those five teams, Kentucky is the least talented team. But my point and, is at the end of the day, we'll be a third of the way through the college football season, and mm-hmm. three of your five teams are Tennessee, Arkansas, and Kentucky. Now, that's going to change as the season goes along. Pretty cool, though. Pretty cool. Stoops is doing his thing, obviously. At the, and you know what? That shows a change of power. And that's just assuming Brian Kelly's not doing anything with LSU, though that was a, I thought that was a pretty big win for them. I'll tell you the secret to Kentucky's success. They mm. always do well against Florida early in the season, and mm-hmm. that gives them more of a hype than they mm-hmm. actually are worth. And I don't mean to sit here and, you know, crap on Kentucky fans, but my point is is that, and I may come back and eat my words, and if I do, I'll admit it, but I, you can't convince me that Kentucky is as talented as Tennessee. So, but we'll leave mm. it there. We've got several weeks before we have that. Let's move on. Going to be fun. Yeah, let's move on. That was a good one. Uh, let's cover uh, the last two games here. I think that just kind of jump off the slate. Um, and that's for me is the Ohio State University a little night game, a little ABC uh, against Wisconsin. It's not so much that I think Wisconsin uh, can be able to stick with Ohio State from a scoring perspective here. Uh, I don't think they can go to um, – they don't have the, the prowess, uh, as you know, C.J. Stroud, 11 touchdowns uh, right now, zero interceptions on the season. And then we also have – Ohio State capable, put up 77 points. And last time I checked, Chris Holtman's offense doesn't score that many points usually um, in his excellent and what is excellent ball, ball screen continuity offense and uh, great use of horns. Uh, Holtman's phenomenal at that. 77 points. He ain't got the point guard that C.J. Stroud is. Wisconsin can't keep up, can they, Sean? I don't think so. And, and I, you know, when it comes to Wisconsin, you know, it's the constant – theme of controlling the clock, running the football. That is something that I think was a little bit of a concern for Ohio State. You know, I heard some, you know, other very talented analysts, you know, mention that last year when they lost their games, they allowed over 200 rushing yards in both their losses, including to Michigan. You know, this year, I still think that the um, rush defense for Ohio State can be exposed potentially, but I don't think mm-hmm. that, I don't think Wisconsin they don't have the balance offensively to be able to really uh, prevent Ohio State from focus making sure that they don't let the run beat them. And I just don't think they have the firepower. Um, I, I think that this is a game for Ohio State um, in which you know Wisconsin probably can do a good job against their defense, yeah. but if Travion Henderson or the um, the other Running back, I forget his name. He he emerged really well against Notre Dame. Um, if they could have that lightning and thunder combination to support Stroud, and then Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. is coming, or is uh, it the second or junior? He's become one of the you know bigger breakout oh, talents at wide receiver so far this year. Him, Jackson Smith, Najigba on the other side. 
I don't think that Wisconsin has the horses to be able to stick with Ohio State. Ohio State favored by 19. Wisconsin may cover, but I don't feel that this game is ever in doubt. I don't, I don't feel we're going to see Ohio State struggle out of the gate like they did against Notre Dame. Yeah, Jackson Smith uh, and Jerry Bailey was doing his thing, Marvin Harrison Jr. I was hearing coming out of the gate that people think he is actually just as talented, if not more, uh, than than uh, JSN. But we're and then uh, Ibuka's doing his thing. He's got twenty. He actually leads the team in catches. Oh, they're just they just have weapons. They're loaded wide receiver. You no question about it. Um, Mayan Williams is who you're referring to. The other running back who's uh, kind of got kind of taken hold. Five nine two twenty five. Uh, and he's just and he's averaging uh, six point five yards a carry. Looks like a young Michael Turner back back about eh, yes. years ago. Charger, Charger yes. Falcons lore. Yeah, looks like a young Michael Turner. Great fantasy guy. Little uh, the post Ladanian era, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Northern Illinois zone, Northern Illinois Husky zone. Michael Turner, no question about it. Yeah. Uh, for once again, God, I'm age, I'm dating myself, but that's all right. Yeah, you're forty three. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving. I'm excited for this one just because it's going to be some late night talking. You're going to be a, a few bourbons in because you'll be celebrating with the wife. And then I'm going to put you on a text message uh, with newly new fans, Larry Hammonds, Dion Hillford, our friends from Multiplicity Media, two of the co-hosts of Break the Bank podcast, uh, as well as uh, The Biggest Loser. By the way, Sean, did, did you get to see Greg Waddell and – Clown makeup yet? I, I'm not. I'm not seen him in clown makeup yet. I'm. I would I'm love for you to I'm see that. I'm typically the biggest clown of uh, of any of our uh, <laughs> extended friend group that talks. So I'll, I'll have to check this out. So yes, you will. Anyways, newly found USC fans minus six and a half. Uh, Corvallis, tough place to play. Uh, some other quick stats for you here uh, with USC. Thought you would like that as well. Just just a couple. Just a couple nuggets. Uh, for this game here, they are right now. The Trojans are averaging fifty point seven points per game and only giving up nineteen point seven points per game. And USC has won four of the last five uh, against Oregon State. Yeah, yeah, and and I I understand Corvallis is a tough place to play, mm-hmm. but this is a USC team again. I don't mean to not be. Um, how shall I put this more, have more variety in my analysis, but it comes down to difference makers. It absolutely yeah. does. Jimmy's and Joe's. Uh, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, um, Mario was, it, is it Mario Williams from, from USC? I, I forget his name. Uh, he's the running back wide receiver. Again, my, my name knowledge of things is not where it used to be. I'll have to, for future podcasts, I'll have to be a bit more up on that. It's the firepower. You're 45. It, it's fine. It, 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 it Excuse me. <laughs> but one thing that also one thing that also stood out to me, and I know that this game was at home, was that many were looking at it. You know, they talked about it on College Game Day. They saw it in a couple of other features. You know, before last Saturday, they were thinking that you know the Fresno State USC matchup could potentially turn into a shootout. You know that that could be a challenge early for USC. Well, what mm-hmm. you know USC is showing they could score on anybody. Their defense also showed that they could show up as well. Um, so I, I don't think this is going to be that, that this close to a game. I take USC covering. I think that USC wins by double digits. Um, and again, I think one of the things that people need to realize about USC is that 
You know, I understand all about the fact that, oh, they're getting off to a hot start. Is it going to be able to last? All this different stuff. But the thing that stands out is that I understand where people may be saying that. Mm-hmm. But Lincoln Riley's been doing this now for a decade. And like yeah, he sure. said on last week's podcast, he has who we feel is the most naturally talented quarterback in the nation. This yes. isn't your normal first year of a of a coach in a new place. That's what the transfer era does, is that when yep. you have these coaching changes, yep. you're not going to have to wait as long for that yeah. coach to have success or fail. Yeah. But in Lincoln Riley's case, when he got Caleb Williams to come with him, USC is a legitimate playoff contender, I feel. And I think that in this type of test, they're going to show it once again. So I take them, I take them covering winning by double digits comfortably. Contender, fine. I think Oregon State has a good enough offense to hang around. It just comes down to whether Addison, you need him to be special on the road. You need your playmakers to be special. Yeah. Um, very similar, like we talked about earlier. And that's okay. It, it is. There's a reason of why there are five stars, and then there's transfers. Uh, these teams are not separated by much because it is college football. Is the landscape has changed across the country big time, uh, and over the last uh, twenty years, and there's more seven on sevens, quarterback play, etc. And then it just comes to can this guy turn a twenty yard play into an eighty yard play, or this guy takes a fifteen yard corner route um, and makes sure that he's extending drives that. That's what's going to be the separators. And USC just has more of those guys uh, than Oregon State currently right now. Um, Lincoln Riley, it, we there were folks who were just wondering, like, man, do they have enough inside? There's a lot of transfers. They got rid of a lot of players. Uh, definitely are not at that 100-player limit. But that's okay because then he'll build it up in the future. And this is why, once again, with the transfer portal, you're able to turn around things pretty quickly. Uh, now compared compared to what you had in the past, uh, very similar to what we see with Michigan State. Uh, a couple of quick nuggets I'm just going to run by in terms of games, but we both agree. Uh, I believe that USC will uh, be covering this weekend, and uh, it, they will be added also to the uh, happy hour and late night well, money and, line and, parlay. And the other thing that I'll, I'll also say is this, is that, you know, so it's kind of unique in that, you know, USC and Oregon State are playing each other, and the lot in – one of their two last games for both of them, their opponent was Fresno State. So you've got a measuring stick, you know, immediately. You know, week two, Oregon State beat Fresno State 35 to 32. Week three, mm-hmm. USC beat Fresno State 45 to 17. In both those games, a big reason why that they won for Oregon State and USC, you had Oregon State running for 178 total yards, USC running for 233. Which team is going to be able to support their quarterback with over 150 rushing yards? That may be the difference in the game. There you go. Quick hitters uh, before we end the college football portion of this. Notre Dame, North Carolina. Carolina is favored by one and a half. Who uh, wins? Where is the game? I think it's At Chapel Car- Hill. I-, I think it's Carolina, especially on the road. Uh, Notre Dame has a, a backup quarterback. Uh, they still had issues with California last week. I-, I think that North Carolina gets the job done. All righty. Florida State stay undefeated. Florida State versus Boston College. Florida State favored by 17 and a half. Yeah. ACC Network game. Yes. Mike Norvell, Memphis guy, my neck of the woods. Definitely excited for him to uh, to uh, be having the success that he's having. So, uh, yeah, Florida State stays undefeated. Big fan of Mike Norvell. I love Mike Norvell. Great guy. Love his offense. I've always felt that his offense was very 
would travel well. I know that he's had a um, uh, bit of a tough time starting out. Um, look like he may go the Scott Frost route at Florida State, but he's having some good success. So. Big, big next. Let's. I think he gets the seven to eight wins. He keeps his job. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. I think the start that he's had so far, he keeps his job. Yeah. Agreed. There we go. Uh, let's uh, keep it rolling here. I also wanted to throw out to you a tricky one here. Uh, Clemson, all right, Wake Forest on the road at Wake. Clemson's favored by seven points. 3-0 and versus 3-0. It's going to be interesting. I watched uh, the Liberty-Wake um, uh, Forest game last week. And Great game. Yeah, Caden mm-hmm. 37-36 final, I think. Yeah, 37-36. Uh, Caden Salter, who was a Tennessee recruit, got in trouble, went to now be Malik Willis's successor with Hugh Freeze at, at Liberty. Um, very good game. Uh, it, it is going to be a tricky game because I think I feel like it's going to be a tricky game because you can make the argument that Wake Forest has the better offense because Clemson is just yes they, 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 <laughs> crazy they enough because of DJ. But not sure. But what if they switch quarterbacks? Man? We don't. Yeah. And, and I agree. But I, Clemson's defense, I think it's going to travel oh. well. I think that Clemson's going to get the job done. The thing that stands out for me that's got to be there from Clemson, they've got to get the big play. And I think that Wake Forest is prone to that from watching Salter play last week. Um, I think that if Clemson can hit a big play or two early, uh, they'll be their defense will then be able to control the game. So I, I think Clemson comes out on top, and I think the offense, especially for a big game, gets a bit hyped up. Dabo, you know, I, again, I know it's been more than a year since he's been purely in the in the uh, national championship talk, but. He legitimately, you know, over the past five years, has had a stretch where you can make the argument that he was the top coach in the nation over Nick Saban. So uh, I think and he's not now, but you get my point. Um, I think Clemson yes, comes out and gets it done. Yeah. Oh, going to be fun. I'm it's interested fun. to see what Kansas is Kansas playing Duke another three and game, three and matchup. So Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina. Uh, Three of the in Kentucky, the uh, four most winningest uh, basketball programs uh, by regular season. Uh, once again, no, this is not counting championships. That's because UCLA has just not been what they were. Obviously, in the sixties and seventies, uh, prior to our time, despite what people think about my age, Kansas is hosting Duke. They announced that they have sold David Booth, Kansas. You didn't even know this was David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium out, Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. 12 o'clock game, Fox Sports 1, Kansas versus Duke. Uh, Kansas got a pretty damn good offense. They're ready to roll. They beat West Virginia by um, by two scores. And West Virginia actually just beat Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech may be the worst team in the ACC, uh, 33-10. Uh, but Kansas got some – they have some athletes now, and I never thought I would see the day that Lawrence Kansas is, uh, has some NFL talent. Give me, give me Kansas in that game. Yeah, I, I'm Green. not. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not convinced that they're going to be challenging for you know New Year's Six Bowl or anything like that. They might, they might surprise. But give me Kansas in that game. Just throwing out some ones for people to watch. We're not going to give you any predictions. Keep an eye out, Michigan State, Minnesota, uh, the PJ Flex, the Fighting PJ Flex. I think he's a very, very good coach. Uh, I think he's one of the. Let's just say at least 
on my favorable list and totem pole in terms of uh, people uh, in the Big Ten. But Michigan State is actually a, a three-point underdog. You know what? We're just going to try it. We'll tell you. We're just going to tell you. I'm the betting guy here. Go get your money. Take Michigan State plus the points. Mel Tucker, after losses, is 6-2 and two since he's been at Michigan State. He will get it done. Uh, go ahead and take that. They are don't overreact to actually a team going out west and losing in what is the hardest uh, environments in uh, Seattle, Washington. Go ahead and make sure you take Michigan State. One that we're just going to keep an eye on, Washington State, very well coached. Oregon, Bo Nix liked his little bounce back over the last uh, last uh, couple weeks. They went and handled their business against BYU. Keep an eye out on that game. Oregon is favored by six and a half, but they got to go to Pullman, so it could be a tough one. I agree. Last one. Oh, go yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Well, see, there you go. Looking at you and I being on the same page here. Mm-hmm. And the last one, last one for the night, just just to keep monitoring, just to keep monitoring whether they're whether they're for real or not. You never know what happens in the Pac Pac twelve North, um, and that's Washington and Stanford. This Michael Penix, who I think is now absolutely on the Eisman watch list uh, currently right now, and that's with his also compatriot and Caleb Williams. Uh, Washington's favored by uh, almost two touchdowns, but David Shaw's a pretty damn good coach. So there we go. We'll see. I think Washington in that one as well. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, there we go, Dick. Thanks. Thank you guys uh, for joining. Sean, any last words on the college football wrap-up, brother? I'd, talk to us. I'd much rather stick to talking college than what we're about to talk next. Y'all have a good night now. We're wearing this for a reason, folks. Uh, it's because if – <laughs> Our coaches aren't going to show up for the games. I guess we might as well pretend we're wearing coaches. Coaches from, wear. from, 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 from pleasure to pain. There we go. Enjoy. Indeed. Take care, all.